and welcome to Dream Life Best Fit Role with me, Nikki Smith. I'm a psychologist and a career and business coach. I believe everybody can love their work and I help people to use their natural strengths to transform their work life and love their job. These podcast episodes shine a light on individuals who have created their Dream Life Best Fit Role or business. I focus on how they've played to their natural strengths, those activities that energize and inspire them, and how they've conducted mini experiments to take the fear out of change and generate momentum. Welcome everyone to this episode of Dream Life Best Fit Role. Today I am delighted to be chatting with Arissa Feeney. I came across Arissa Feeney in the Australian online entrepreneurial space and she's got a fantastic story. I love many things about Arissa, including she's an introvert who's managed to make a business work and an online business work. And she's got this fantastic background of various roles as an e-business consultant, finance manager, sales coach, and she's carved out time in her life to create her dream life best fit role business. So I can't wait to share more with you on that. We also think very similarly about mini experiments and starting small when when looking at doing new things. So we're going to share more about that as well. So thank you for joining me, Arissa, and welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm very, very happy to chat with you. Excellent. So we had a long chat recently at uh, the Blue Mountains at the Spectacular Symposium where we were both delighted to be speakers at. And so I can't wait to share some of the insights that we had on that conversation with more people on this interview. So let's start with, can you tell us a bit about yourself and a bit more about your current business? Sure. I'm a business strategist, so I help people with generally micro businesses earning less than a couple of million dollars a year, put together business plans, emotional strategies, those sorts of things. And the way that I came to this was um, probably through experiment. So leading up to this, I was helping people specifically launch online programs, those sorts of things. And I guess the, the, the reason that I got into working for myself was that it just seemed to be the best the best solution to wanting to be a really great mum and have a flexible lifestyle would be to work for myself as crazy as it sounds, but it seemed like a really good idea at the time. <laughs> so absolutely. And we're, we're giggling for many reasons, everyone. So I, one of my favorite stories of yours is that time when you were sit the crossroads story where you were sitting in an office contemplating a paid role working for someone. Can you tell us that story, please? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I didn't at the time realize that it was a very pivotal moment or that it was any, any big deal really at all. So I was finishing up a contract with a business and I had, it was pretty good, you know, I had pretty sort of flexible working hours. It wasn't my ideal job, but I knew it was sort of coming to the end. And so I was looking for, you know, the next role that I would find. Um, I'm on the Gold Coast, so fairly limited in, um, you know, the experience that I have um, in terms of finding, you know, good roles for that. But I was able to land this great interview. It was, you know, longer term role, great new startup company, very exciting. I was at the interview for the for the job um, and I was sitting across the table from the guy who was lovely. Everything about the job was fantastic. But I had mentioned in some discussions at the previous interview that I was interested. One thing that was kind of important to me was a little bit of flexibility. So my son was four and he was about to start, or five, he was about to start school the next year. And I knew that I really wanted to be able to um, drop him off 
pick him up from school at very least. He was, you know, my little guy. And I didn't like the idea of having to leave him every day before and after school care. So the guy that was interviewing me was, he was really great, great rapport. I was definitely sure I was getting the, the job, but he made it really clear that there was no flexibility in terms of working hours for the job. It was, there was a big expectation that I'd be working from I think eight to um, six o'clock at least every day. Um, so one of the comments I think he, he made specifically was, because he knew that I, I had a son, was that he wasn't going to offer that. And, you know, he had a, you know, himself, he had kids, he knew what it was like, you know, that, you know, the demands of being a parent, but his wife was at home looking after their kids. So he didn't sort of see how that would necessarily work for me. And I remember driving away sort of feeling a bit upset that I wasn't going to, even if they offered it to me, I knew that I wasn't going to take it because, yeah, it was just not going to fit in with my what I wanted for my life. And that was when I kind of decided pretty much from then that, look, surely I can't be the only woman that's got, you know, great skills that could turn them into, um, you know, business. So I really just started talking to other women that had these great little business ideas and almost mini business coaching them at the time. And that's how my business sort of started off fantastic I love that story you're not alone you're not alone and can you help us understand what happened between saying so once you said no to that role and then you talked about sounded like did this business happen organically you're talking to business women about their problems and started coaching them is that how it happened or that was and I mean it sort of led with what my skill base was so I knew online marketing and fairly good IT skills so it all started with um, talking to them about what I had quickly learned about Facebook ads and, um, you know, putting websites together just, you know, in conversation, they'd be telling me about their hobbies. So they were a couple of women I know that were sewing beautiful handmade um, cushions and there were other women who were making jewellery and just getting into um, discussions with them because I just love talking to people about their business and their business ideas. So, yeah, that sort of one thing led to another and I created, you know, the packages around those sorts of things. So, yeah, that's that's really how it started. So it was somewhat organically, somewhat intentional. That's definitely sort of what happened initially. But as I say, at the time, I just didn't realise that it was that pivotal, that conversation that I had with him. But looking back on it, that's really what sparked it all. Just, okay, I'm not going to fit into a conventional job role anymore. Certainly not if I want to live here on the Gold Coast. So what else can I do? How else can I make this work for me? Brilliant. Next up, I'm really interested in knowing what some of your top strengths are. We know the goal is to shape our work week to play to our strengths for 60 to 80% of the week because when we do this, we tap into this upper echelon of productivity, positive influence, resilience, happiness, and income flows. So I'd love to hear a bit from you about some of your top strengths. I think it's really interesting even that you said that we should play to our strengths because I think somewhat growing up we think are always putting out our weaknesses and so we tend to focus on those sorts of things a lot of the time. So I like, I love your idea of really playing to your strength because it's just so much easier, right? <laughs> so these things that come easy to us, finding, um, you know, work or, you know, a way of creating income around them I think is really exciting. So um, for me, I'm really just a natural problem solver. Um, so that's definitely one of my biggest strengths. And I think, I, I know this is not necessarily the strengths finder that you use, but resourcefulness. And I think, again, probably that plays into the problem solving as well. So I'm very good at looking at new situations or any situations and um, quickly measuring up what the next best actions are, what the, um, you know, what risks are involved, things like that. 
yeah, I am lucky that that's I've created a business sort of around that. Do you, sure. Do you think it's luck, or do you think you were following your intuition? You're hearing those conversations from these women and thinking, "Oh, this is how I can help. This is the problem I can solve for them." Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I also think that because it's something that comes so easily, it's kind of really, you know, is this something people really want to pay for? I mean, I just like doing this. I'd talk to you about your business and help you with your business problems. <laughs> For free, so why, <laughs> why would I, um, you know, how, how dare I um, charge people for, for this kind of stuff? So, yeah, I think it took time to do that. And I think another, you know, my strength being resourcefulness, I'm quite good hands-on at doing things as well. So often I always would always feel that that's, I had to be actually delivering, you know, um, an output of something. But one of my weaknesses <laughs> is repetitive, any sort of, sort of repetitive tasks. So that's why that um, output side of things doesn't necessarily, that's not playing to my strength. Um, But problem solving and looking for new solutions is definitely something that I love to do. Fantastic. And for those of you more familiar with the StrengthsFinder strengths, I think we would be looking at restorative, analytical, futuristic, those kind of strengths. And when you mentioned the weakness of repetitive and feeling torn like you needed to give an output to people how did you learn to dial that down because that's what we're wanting to do aren't we with a weakness we're wanting to either dial it down so we don't need to do it too much or outsource Mm. or partner up with someone or eliminate it so can you share with us how you've managed that weakness I think I've resisted I resisted this for a long time and still continued to always feel that I had to be creating every every single time or you know delivering an output every single time so um you know part of what I do is I definitely create sessions I mean recording of the sessions so I don't necessarily always deliver an output so they just get the recording of when we've talked to each other so that's definitely one of the ways that I've done it I think another thing is that probably the way that I've created my package or offering is that it's not necessarily a rigid program I tend to set the expectations initially that what I'm going to do is really adapt to your personal situation so um, that's how I I stop the repetitive (laughs) that I'm not giving you a set program that we're always going to do the same thing over and over again because that would be that's not that's not my strength (laughs) at all. They are two great examples. One, um, being upfront that that actually going to tailor the program to suit someone and that gives you that gives you energy because there's variety. And mm-hmm. then the second one you mentioned was to uh, eliminate potentially the need to provide an output by using recordings instead. So mm-hmm. great, brilliant two examples for sure. And what we're wanting to do by managing our weaknesses is to create more space to play to our strengths so that we can actually feel energized and on purpose and actually delivering what we do best. Yes, yeah. And I mean, just again, going back to this weaknesses thing, I think it's something that growing up, it's something that's it's always sort of highlighted and it's something that you spend a lot more time probably thinking about than thinking about how you can just play to your strengths. So it's a revelation, Nikki. Oh, hooray. Exactly. Yeah. Hooray. That's great to hear. And look, this is a big reason why this podcast exists. I'm gobsmacked that this is still not general knowledge. So please share this podcast with other people you know, because we want people to know they can shape their work role, whether they're an employee 
or a business owner, they can shape their role to play to their strengths. And there's an economical bonus to doing that. Studies show no matter what size of the company or the organization is that the income does increase when teams or individuals play to their strengths. So there's really enough evidence now for really for your manager or for you to take this on. Another one of my favorite things about Arissa is her philosophy on piloting projects. So can you share us a bit about that, please? Absolutely. In the the service that I provide to my clients, a lot of people come to me with huge expectations for themselves in terms of what they're looking to achieve. So quite often they will be wanting to promote a new offering. So they will have come to me or by the time that they've decided to come to me, they've decided that they want to invest a lot of money and a lot of time in promoting it. And what I found over time is that the people that seem to be very successful at this were the people that had been running their idea as a mini experiment or as a pilot program and what I mean by that is that they've tested it already maybe with a small group of people so a lot of what I've done in the past is work with people um, to help them with a launch and I think the the word launch is sort of associated with a, a large-scale marketing promotion so you're loud you're proud you're out there very very visible but I find when you've run a pilot of your offer a few times you, it gives you a chance to anticipate a lot of things. So you, you can understand a little bit more about the, the kind of things that people are looking to achieve with the product or package or, or thing that you're offering. So what is it they, they actually want to get out of it? So from a marketing point of view, that's really invaluable. Um, and there's something you probably won't know unless you work closely with people. You'll know a bit more about the questions that they're asking and what they're really struggling with before they decide to buy from you. And you get a real intimate understanding rather than this just making big assumptions from a distance, which quite often is what happens if you haven't worked in sort of a more intimate format with people. So, Arissa, I find this fascinating and you've actually helped me to implement this with my Career Change Online program. But I am Mm. thinking that perhaps some people listening in might not know specifically what we're talking about. So, can you clarify when you say a product or an offering, what might that be? Well, it can really be anything. So it can be a new service that you're looking to provide. So perhaps you're a photographer and you would like to be able to offer people a certain type of package that you haven't done in the past um, and you think that that people are going to want to do that. So perhaps pet photos. So photos with their pets at Christmas time. I know I've had photographers that have done that. So instead of, you know, getting your kids' photos, they get their pets' photos done. So that's an example of it maybe with a tangible non sort of online entrepreneurial world where, you know, traditionally that maybe if they were launching that they might have gone out and spent a lot of money on, um, you know, a large marketing campaign, local magazines or advertising or radio or television or print media. But, you know, as a pilot program, um, you might instead do a, a hand invitation. So people that you already know that you know that have got pets you might start to invite them to, to try the service. I think that's an example of it. So it's really any um, new package or product or offer that you have, any new service that you have that you have an idea for that you maybe feel that you need to do a large-scale promotional for it to work. The idea of piloting it really is to do it in a smaller group format or a smaller format. So I guess in the online marketing world, a lot of people are doing uh, are launching online education programs so a course, e-courses are very popular. 
So how would you go about promoting that? So how you, you can actually do that maybe in a small scale. So inviting people into your living room, for example, um, and testing it out with people in the flesh or testing it out in a small online format. So maybe with um, a Google Hangout or something like that before you invest in um, membership websites and things like that. Yes, that really describes it well. And I'm thinking personally, so with the career coaching I do, I initially, you know, did it one-on-one working for a company. Then I went out on my own and did it for myself. And then I ran workshops for four to six people. And then to explore how does this work in a group setting. And then uh, you encouraged me to pilot an online program because I was actually pretty overwhelmed at how to extrapolate this kind of one-to-one knowledge and with the group, I'd be doing it face-to-face. How do you actually translate this into an online program? And to pilot, it was such a perfect way of doing it. And I just invited a couple of friends who were at crossroads in their careers to take a look at it. And it was brilliant. And I'm so relieved that I did it that way because invariably it took me a bit longer, a couple of weeks to get the content mm. out. And they were completely understanding because they were doing it for free meant that it was a much less stressful process and also I could really sit down with them for 60 to 90 minutes get some really detailed feedback from them about what they liked what they didn't like I can highly recommend this process really well there's not so much pressure that you're putting on yourself it feels a little less exposed and scary I think if you've just hand invited some people they don't always necessarily have to be friends it doesn't always have to be free but I think if you are doing it in a smaller way first of all you get the intimacy so you really get a chance to get some really good feedback from people and adapt it as it's going on and you also don't have so much pressure on yourself whether it's some um, you know expectations or financial pressure or you know any of those those sorts of things that come with you know a large-scale marketing promotion and once you've tested it out maybe even a few times and I doubt you know some of the wrinkles then you can um, you know start to go to a larger scale with it. Brilliant so it's really encouraging people to be a bit more patient and I think the interesting thing is when people are passionate and people are wanting to help solve a problem are usually passionate the Mm. shadow side is impatience so I think this applies to a lot of uh, passionate creative people out there and I think it's very helpful and I think another interesting point you make is it doesn't have to be free and I really you've taught me that and I really appreciate that you taught me that actually you can charge something and you want to deliver you're going to say you're going to deliver more value than what you're charging but it's okay to charge for your time it's okay to charge even when it's not perfect yeah yeah and I think in this pilot format or in the mini experiment format a lot of the time they're going to get a lot more from you than they ever would in a larger scale offering because you are likely to adapt it. You are likely to take on feedback and take the time to answer any specific questions. So in some ways, I believe that the pilot is of more value to the people that decide to join one. So if you are ever offered a place in a pilot program, I would say take it because, yeah, chances are it'll be the best experience of that 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 you're likely to have. Great advice. So as we we move on, I'm interested in sharing a, a bit about what we've talked about, the roller coaster of emotions that comes with launching really any part, whether it's a business or a product or a, mm. a program. What typically do you witness with your clients? Well, I think, as you said, when people are passionate about something and they're looking to go big with it, there's a lot of excitement around it. Uh, so the roller coaster I tend to see is this really high excitement 
and expectations, high expectations for themselves and what will, will happen. And then during the actual promotion phase, because sales are always completely unpredictable uh, in all of the, the people that I work with, um, there are some trends that occur, but they, quite often I see things happen to the contrary of those trends. And, um, you know, all indicators can indicate that it's not going to go well and all of a sudden it, it goes through the roof or all indicators say that it's going to be fabulous and it's, it's not sometimes. So there's usually this roller coaster of self-doubt. Like, am I one-hit wonder? Is, you know, am I only ever going to be able to sell X, Y, Z of this? Is there something wrong with me? So there's a lot of that sort of uh, negative self-talk that goes on. And I do see a lot of energetic burnout. So definitely that happens and it's all, you know, it happens in cycles. So things are coming and going daily and probably during the day, there's a huge transitions between those moods that are going on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I think when you launch something in the online space, you know, the spot, you feel like the spotlight's on you and you're wanting to fulfill your dreams and expectations. And I think it's quite, I find it quite fascinating as a psychologist that, mm. um, what we're observing is not just a roller coaster of emotions over a period of days of weeks, but potentially within the day. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, right? So when you work with Arissa, you get that support to manage those moods during each day, but I'm quite fascinated. So with Arissa's experience, she's come up with um, some fabulous tips to share about managing this inevitable roller coaster of emotions, and it is in- inevitable. However, we can temper them, you know, we can moderate them a bit with some of Arissa's tips. So far away, please clients that I have that I see that do manage this well and they do all as you say you know transition through all of these feelings and emotions but what they tend to do I see is they manage their energy during the launch so they they make themselves quite aware that this is going to genuinely take a toll on them because I guess depending as well if they're introverts or extroverts there is a lot of um, personal energy that's being used during the launch So when I say managing their energy, they will often schedule in really nice things for themselves. So they will schedule in to have massages during the launch or to go out for dinner with their husbands or their girlfriends. I know of some who, in terms of helping to motivate themselves and stay really positive, might go take a drive out to the neighbourhood that they would love to kind of move to one day kind of keep their energy high as well that's one thing so managing your energy during the launch itself and I think Nikki said afterwards as well after we sort of chatted about this before so after you know plan to have some downtime afterwards and not necessarily just dive straight into delivering would be part of that managing your energy I think knowing your strengths the second thing I would say is really just knowing your strengths and when to outsource So some of my clients are very good at being hands-on and putting everything together themselves and making their own sales pages and all of those other um, technical things. And so they will, will do that. But there are others that that's just not their zone of genius. So they're very good at understanding what their strengths are and they're very successful because they get a team behind them so they outsource those sorts of things. The other thing, I would say the third thing would be have a plan for revenue. So this may not go exactly to plan. So you may have a goal of sales that you're hoping to achieve but I would say have a plan for revenue just besides this actual promotional this launch how are you going to be able to make the most of this attention that you've created during the launch so quite often there's other opportunities that you're creating 
you may not see them while you're in the roller coaster of your launch so be really mindful of that and the other thing I would say is to get feedback after the launch so why people didn't buy and make some strategic sort of hypothesis about like why didn't they buy was it something to do with the format is it something to do with the timing is it the marketing messaging so that you're feeling more prepared and that you're using all of that energy that you're putting to the launch you're getting the most out of it fantastic that is a brilliant list of tips I love it and I just wanted to add to something there. When we're talking about downtime after mm. your launch, I've seen peers do this left, right and center because I think we get so excited. So I've seen many peers do the launch and have the actual course, say it's an online program or course. The delivery date is within a day or two of the launch finishing. And what I've noticed is that they've really regretted that because they been technical hitches and things like that plus they're exhausted and mm-hmm. that it's just been pressure upon pressure so ideally we're talking a week or two between finishing the launch and actually starting delivering the program and I think we assume that you need to start straight away but I think Arissa will agree with me that people are people are okay with waiting a week or two for a program yeah yeah and quite often what you can do when you get set yourself up with that gap so maybe a week or you may even start next month so you might end you know part way through and you might start next month is to have some material that they can help orientate them with getting started with the program or the course so there's a lot of probably existing things that you have that they could be reading or watching or um, listening to before the actual course starts that would help that with that time before it actually the delivery of it starts Perfect. So now that we've got our tips for managing our launches, I'm going to turn the spotlight back on you just for a moment. I love to ask my guests, what is a recurring negative belief or self-talk that you've experienced and how do you learn to manage it? I think one of the biggest recurring self-talk things that comes up for me really is um, to do with self-worth. So who do you really think you are, Arissa? Like how... Who do you think you are saying that you, you can do this? You're not really that great. So that's something that comes and goes depending on, you know, I guess how far in the spotlight I am or you know, what, what's happening in my business. Some of the things that I've found to help me overcome that over time and it, I guess some of it is just experience. So, you know, you do just become more experienced and learn to hear that voice but not necessarily freak out about it or do anything because of it. But, um, you know, definitely surrounding myself with good people, um, so really good positive people that are, you know, achieving their goals and I guess my kind of people. So I think that's definitely one thing that I've noticed has made a difference in helping me overcome that self-talk another thing would be um actually talking about my achievements so sort of saying them out loud so a lot of the times I do really great things um with my clients but nobody knows about it so (laughs) I think talking about those sorts of things has helped me sort of see and saying them out loud helps me sort of see that I've come a long way and that things are are pretty good I think another thing would be actually in terms of self-worth is taking action so when you're feeling a little bit doubtful actually doing something I know at the end of copy blogger his uh, sign off is called just keep going or it's it's keep going and I think that's really really good advice Um, a lot of the time it's just keep going is all you need to hear and something that's completely random that I've found that's definitely helped with my self-worth is working on my physical strength so actually getting outside moving doing those sorts of things and I guess that comes to maybe living outside my head a bit more not spending so much time internalizing everything 
Absolutely. I love all the tips there on how you manage those feelings of self-worth. Brilliant. The community one is a fantastic one because there are some standard things that tend to help, but I love that for you, surrounding yourself with really positive people who you can talk to has been helpful. I love it. You're welcome. Before we wrap up today, I would love you to set a challenge. Yeah. Okay. Um, what I love to set as a challenge for my clients, so they're generally always, you know, existing business owners that have got runs on the board with clients or customers. What I love to do in terms of setting them a challenge is think about some of their, the clients that they've worked with in the past that they loved working with. So people that really just energized you or um, projects that energized you that you really, really loved. And think about what's the next phase for that person or um, that that project. What's sort of the next best or the next big step? And really creating a, an offer or a program or a, a, a product for that next phase and going out there and, and offering it. So go and create a pilot package and get out there in the real world and offer it to say five to ten people because it's a great way to get those, those ideas out of your head. It's a great way to build rapport with previous clients and it's also a really great way of um, bringing some revenue into your business. And I'm going to add something to that because for some of you, you won't be business owners. You may be an employee or you Mm. may have a side business or project idea that you're wanting to work on. And look, this challenge can actually apply to you. So what we're looking at, if we looked at a mini experiment rather than a pilot, a Mm. mini experiment can be choosing something to add either a bit of fun or adventure or creativity into your life and just picking that next small step. So the next mini experiment might be, for example, finding a photography class or so if you're wanting a creative outlet or a drawing class. If you're wanting more adventure, then you may just want to book in your next adventure. It could be going for a trip down the coast, you know, even for the day. It could be going to visit one of your favorite places in town. So some more adventure. So I really do encourage you to apply this to you, even if you're not a business owner, if you're an employee or have a, you know, side project idea, have a think about what's going to help you feel more alive, more energized. Could be something to do with fun, creativity or adventure. Brilliant. So some of the things my clients have done recently is an experiment and she wrote a talk and actually delivered it to a community. Of So that was quite a big mini experiment. Another person went on a weekend trip with her family and took her camera and took photos and she hadn't mm-hmm. taken photos in a number of years. And another client was looking to sign up just, just to a simple one evening only drawing class. So I'm hoping these can illustrate to you that whether it's big or small, these mini experiments are really worthwhile and can really help to lift you in the everyday. Thanks everyone for listening today. I invite you to accept the listener challenge and let us know how you go on Facebook page, Nikki Smith Coach. And if you're wanting to find out more about your strengths, you can access my free strengths bundle at Nikki Smith n-i-k-k-i-s-m-i-t-h dot net dot au forward slash strengths guide that's s-t-r-e-n-g-t-h-s-g-u-i-d-e and if you're wanting to find out more about fantastic Arissa Feeney, Arissa, can you share your web address please absolutely so my web address is my name so it's Arissa Feeney dot com o-r-i-s-s-a-f-e-e-n-e-y dot com So yeah, you'll find um, my latest blog posts. You can contact me there. Come to contact me and just say hi. That'd be lovely. 
Yeah, we'd love to hear how you go with the mini pilot or the mini experiment. So please let us know. Thanks again for joining us today, Arissa. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day and we'll speak soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. Two things I'd like to mention. Firstly, if you're keen to boost your happiness at work, then head on over to www.nikkismith.net.au, which is n-i-k-k-i-s-m-i-t-h.net.au and sign up for your starter kit. I share tips in there that are easy to implement and are pure gold. Secondly, if you crave a new work role and have no idea what to do or lots of ideas but don't know where to start, then head on over and check out the 7-Step Career Change online program. This is an awesome system I use to help people create their dream life best fit role, which is a role that matches their strengths, interests and lifestyle needs. It will move you from feeling fed up, unsure and unconfident to clear, inspired and motivated in six weeks. Plus, if you want to hear more stories like this one, please subscribe and spread the word. Till next time.